0: This podcast is brought to you by Upcase. Improve your development skills by completing coding exercises that are peer reviewed by real humans. Learn more at upcase.com. Hello, and welcome to Reboot, where we talk about taking leaps and switching careers. I'm Adarsh Pandit, the developer here at ThoughtBot in San Francisco. I arrived here after previous careers in management consulting and academic science. On the show, I'll be talking with other people who've made big career changes and how they've done it. In episode two of our first season, we'll talk with Brenda Storer, a designer at ThoughtBot, about her career path moving from psychology major to waitress to web developer and designer. Hey, Brenda. How are you?
1: Hey, good. How are you?
0: How's everything in New York today?
1: It's lovely.
0: So tell me a little bit about what you do at ThoughtBot.
1: Um, See, at ThoughtBot, I'm a designer. The great thing about ThoughtBot is that all of our designers also get to work on the front end um, coding. So I do uh, HTML and CSS and a little bit of JavaScript as well as product design, UI design, UX design.
0: And I guess where did this all start? Have you been a designer for a long time?
1: I went back to school. Um, I studied design for a year from about 10 years ago, but I didn't really start working in design besides a few small projects until about five years ago, five, six years ago.
0: And you studied something different in school as well.
1: Yes. Right when I graduated from high school, I went to college. I went to a four-year school um, and took five years. <laughs> that's the um, fun path. That's it. Yeah. Um, I went to Chico State in Northern California. And actually, I think there were T-shirts that people would wear that would say, graduating th- in four years is like leaving the party at 9 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> so I stayed true to that. Um, I came in as a undeclared major. had no idea what I wanted to do. And ended up choosing psychology um, as my bachelor's degree. Thought I wanted to um, do counseling. And I also chose a minor in Italian because I just took an Italian class my freshman year. And my mom's side of the family is Italian. So I just had a great teacher and got really into it and just took a bunch of Italian classes.
0: So when you were in college, how were you thinking about uh, life after college or careers?
1: I wasn't thinking at all. <laughs> yeah,
0: I was in the same boat.
1: Um, I I actually didn't even really think about college very much in high school until my junior year. I, at the beginning of high school, I was yeah, I I wasn't a bad student, but I wasn't really a good student. I was just more of a lazy student. Um, I just didn't really do homework, and I just kind of got by with you know, B's, maybe C's, maybe a couple A's, and if I was lucky. And sometime in uh, my junior year, I realized if I wanted to go to college, I needed to take the SATs, and I had only been taking the easiest classes in high school, and so maybe I should actually take a class where I have to write a paper, because if I want to go to college, I will probably need to learn how to write a paper. Uh, So, I did not get the best SAT score, <laughs> um, and uh, I ended up uh, deciding between going to a local school um, where I would be a commuter or going away to college three hours away. I grew up in the Bay Area, in, in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I had never left home. I had grown up in the house that I had been brought home from the hospital too. And I wanted to have that college experience a little bit. So then I decided to, to go away to college to the state school.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a pretty common story when, you know, in high school, we don't really know a lot about careers other than what our parents do and going to college, just seems like the thing to do if you can do it. So I guess while you're in college and getting closer to the end, um, how did you think about life after college?
1: I started to really freak out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my first senior year, I studied abroad. I studied in Italy. And I feel like that was kind of one of the biggest defining moments of my life. Or that's, that was one of the first ones when I became an adult, I like to think. It just opened up the whole world to me. And I just got very interested in so many things. that's actually when I really started to get interested in my classes and in school, um, and history and art history. And I came back to finish my senior year and I was like, I just got to get through this year. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to find my way back to Europe. Like all I want to do is get back to Europe. And it was 1998, 99, um, was my senior year. So it was still like in the early days of the internet, But what's funny now that I think back on it is I started to I couldn't sleep at night because I was stressed. So I started messing around with making websites on like GeoCities and stuff like that. I had actually done a little bit of that like earlier on, like in 97. I made a Leonardo DiCaprio fan site.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. Do you still have access to that?
1: I'm so sad that I don't have that because I actually, I remember I made it before Titanic came out because I had a counter on it and a counter,
0: a web ring.
1: Yeah. You know, like I had a, you know, a counter on the bottom, a guest book, all the things, but the (laughs) the counter had like 25 hits on it. And of course that was like me refreshing the page probably every time (laughs) I uploaded a photo. And then, and I had my like email address on the bottom saying, this is my Leonardo DiCaprio fan site, email me. And when I was in Italy, I started to get weird messages and it was when Titanic came out. And I got like email messages from girls saying, hey, oh my gosh, Leonardo, (laughs) I love you so much. (laughs) And I went back to the website because I had kind of forgotten about it. And I had like thousands of hits
0: so, this was your first taste of internet popularity.
1: This was my first taste of internet fame. Yes, it was very exciting. So my senior year of college my right before I graduated, I just started making other like fan sites and I found one about two months ago, and as soon as I found it, I just put it up on GitHub because it's so awful <laughs> and I just and I tried to resurrect it a bit because uh. I only really had the text files, or I had them as text files, but the HTML files, and um, some of the pictures, but not all of them. And I, I was trying to think of why I didn't have all of the pictures. Why wouldn't I have just downloaded the whole file set? But I think it was probably because it was dial-up, and it would have taken me like two days <laughs> to like download everything. Yeah, so it's it's on my GitHub and 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 then I kind of hosted it too. And it's pretty awful. It's great.
0: Why Leo? Why Leo DiCaprio? I mean, obviously he's an amazing acting talent and a handsome well, gentleman. But is it that he's? Is there a thread here between him being an Italian American and you being in Italy?
1: No, I never even thought of that. I think uh, oh, he he had done this whole photo shoot with David LaChapelle. So he like this is when he was like young and he had all these. Strange, and he a photo shoots, and he was kind of indie, and so I liked the pictures that he would pose for, and I just, you know, I don't know. I saw what's Eating Gilbert Grape. And he was great.
0: That was a great movie. I feel like people kind of uh, slept on. I that.
1: know, I know, right? Um, yeah. So I had friends that were CS majors and theater majors. Like the, that's who I hung out with in college. But I never thought about CS like ever. I grew up in Santa Clara, Cupertino. My dad was a bus driver, my mom was a school teacher, so they weren't tech at all. But I like grew up around tech, and I just thought, no, that's that's not me at all. I want to do something creative. And it was like the 90s, so nothing on the computer was really pretty yet. So I just didn't think about it, but I was like doing it, you know, for fun. I think one friend, one of my CS friends, just kind of taught me how to view source on like a web browser. And I was off and running. I was like, this is so great. You can just copy and paste what everybody's done.
0: Yeah, I was in the same boat. I went to Michigan and we had these Tilda accounts, which now is, now it's sort of, there's a throwback with Tilda Club. But I had an account that was oh, um, yeah. umich.edu slash Tilda and then my username. And then you could put a static site up there. And again, anybody could see it. I had no idea what to put up there, but I also did the same thing. I remember using Dreamweaver and Mozilla at that time. I think it was Mozilla. What did you use to edit at that time?
1: I must have just used some kind of text document. I had, I mean, I think I made them text documents and then transferred them to a- like just the extension to HTML to put them up. I don't. I didn't use anything. I probably had to like wait a couple minutes to upload it and then see if what I did worked or I, I don't know I mean I, I'm sure it's so bad like the, the code is basically like paragraph with inline font declaration break tag break tag paragraph tag you know like <laughs> there's nothing else going on really right um, but I think I paid for hosting I, I saw something in when I found these files that indicated that I had paid for hosting and I thought that was pretty I was kind of surprised I thought that was kind of great
0: <laughs> I'm sure that was a really great business in the late nineties or early two thousands, where paying for a server to be managed on your behalf seemed like a, a monumental task, worthy of many dollars per month.
1: Yeah. Oh gosh, I wish I'd I bet it costs more than it does now. <laughs> but I could find something cheaper now.
0: So what did you design or what did you develop after aside from fan sites?
1: Um, I mean that was really it. I did, yeah, I had a couple of different fan sites. And um, then I really forgot about it. I ended up, after I graduated, I worked like temp agencies. And then I moved to London for about seven months. Um, I got back to Europe. They had a program, and maybe they still have it, where um, it was called BUNAC. And if you are American and you have just graduated or you are currently a student, you can get a six month work visa in England and you can do anything with that visa. But it's only for six months. And then and then you have to go back and they would do the reverse so that British students could come to America, too. Um, but I thought, oh, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to start my life and I'll get a job or, or I'll meet somebody or something and then I'll just never have to come home and it's going to be great. So I, I moved over there in um, January 2000 and I was thinking I would get an office job because that was kind of what I had been doing back in the Bay Area. And the economy was like, you know, this is like the height of the of economy. Everything was great. So. I feel very fortunate that I got to like kind of do my exploration at this time when I I could just move to another country and not have to worry about finding a job because I knew I could just get a job, you know, doing something.
0: And at this point, did it even seem possible to work in the web?
1: No, I didn't think about it at all. I mean, and anything I had played around with, I just thought it was just a hobby and that I didn't didn't think anything of it. I didn't think it would be a job. I didn't think I was any good at it or liked it more than any other person. It -hmm. just never, it was nothing I ever considered. Um, So I ended up working in a theater in London. I worked for The Lion King. I was an usher. I worked in a dance shop. um, And I just had the best time. And then, of course, I had to move home because I was broke and I Couldn't extend my work visa to work a retail job.
0: (laughs) Did you get tired of watching The Lion King over and over?
1: Sometimes. There were like certain numbers where I would just have to, I'd take my break during because I just couldn't see anymore. Like, can you feel the love tonight? I just couldn't see it anymore. But I never got tired of watching the beginning. If you've ever seen it, have you ever seen the stage show?
0: I haven't seen the stage show. I've seen the movie and occasionally I have a son. I hold my son up and like kind of mimic <laughs> this the song. The
1: Simba pose. The Simba pose,
0: yeah. And that always gets a laugh around the house.
1: <laughs> the beginning the beginning of the stage show is pretty phenomenal. It has huge impact like all these puppets come down the through the audience up onto the stage and watching I loved watching people react to it every night. You know, I said I hung around with the theater kids in college and I used to do like community theater and stuff. So um, I thought I was probably going to work in the theater. I didn't really want to be an actor and I didn't ever really think I had the talent to do anything like that. um, But I just loved the entertainment industry and theater. And that's kind of where I thought at this point I was probably going to go. And so when I moved back to California, because there was nothing else to do in London, and I was broken in debt now at this point. I'm pretty good debt. I decided my next step would be to move to New York because I loved living in a city. I loved living in a big city. Um, but I needed to go someplace where there was a lot of opportunity because I had no idea still what I wanted to do. And I thought, well, I'll figure it out in New York because like they have everything there. And you know, and there's entertainment industry stuff there.
0: It's almost like New York is built to have people with aspirations move to it. You know, like arrive on the bus with a dream in a suitcase.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was me. I also, so to save money for that, it was still when the economy was doing well. Um, this was like end of 2000 when I moved back home. So I was living with my mom in Santa Clara and I started working temp jobs in tech. Again, so I was working for 3Com is where I was working the most as like an administrative assistant. And they were part of Palm or Palm had just branched out. So, but it was like, you know, big campus, Silicon Valley, boom stuff. And still, you know, I was like, oh, can't wait to get out of here. Um, (laughs) And then the bubble burst and things started to go bad. There was this fountain that they were building on the 3Com campus that was really controversial because it was of the logo, and it just was one of those, like, kind of ridiculous, we just have money to spend kind of things, and in the middle of construction is when, like, the layoffs started to happen, and that fountain just became the symbol of, of everything <laughs> terrible, and um, and so, you know, I was, I was I didn't care. I, di- I didn't get laid off, but... I was like, you know, halfway out the door getting ready to go to New York. And I was also working as a, that's when I started waiting tables too. So I would like work during the day at 3Com and then wait tables at night and just hated being in an office all day too. So I cut back to part time for that and uh, was planning at first to move to New York in August of 2001 and then just put it off. To make a little bit more money until October of 2001. And I secured a sublet on September 10th, 2001. And I remember going to work that night and being like to the restaurant. And I was so excited and telling everybody I was moving to New York. And I had just bought my plane ticket for October 28th. And then the next morning, you know, everything happened. And my mom woke me up and it's like, you, you can't move there, you know, something terrible's happened. And I was like, whatever, mom, you know, and kind of <laughs> rolled over and went back to sleep. It's like, she just doesn't want me to go. Oh, you weren't, you
0: didn't know what had happened?
1: No, because I was on California at a time. Oh. So it was really, and I had like worked a night shift before. So, um, but I eventually got up and, you know, but, uh, I came anyway. Wow. <laughs> so I moved, I, I moved to New York in October and I didn't have a job.
0: Where were you living at that point?
1: I was in Astoria in Queens, so I was pretty far. I didn't really have any reason to be in lower Manhattan, but I did, like, come across it. But I I had only—I had visited New York before I moved here, but it was a really interesting— it was a really strange time to move here, and I felt a little guilty at first because— the city was in pain, you know, and, and was was healing from something that I wasn't a part of. And, and I was coming here to try and find my dreams and find myself. But now that I look back, I'm really proud that I just did it anyways, because I think that's what they wanted to take from us. You know, mm-hmm. like they wanted to stop our lives and I just continued on with mine anyway. But I also was naive though to think that I would have as easy of a time to move to this town after something like that happened and be able to find a job because i didn't have a job i had I like sold my car and I had maybe like twenty five hundred bucks and moved here
0: It's <laughs> um, pretty bold so what was it like looking for work at that time?
1: I unconsciously decided not to or subconsciously decided not to look for an office job I don't think I felt comfortable because the Twin towers were an office and I thought about people losing their jobs and their lives like working in an office and I just didn't feel like that was the right place for me as a new person to I just didn't feel comfortable trying to insert myself in that and I wanted to have some flexibility too so I was looking at I was try, I couldn't find a restaurant job I, I could, and I had restaurant experience but there weren't tourists in the city that much, you know, I couldn't find a restaurant job. So the only job I could find was a retail job. It was at least Christmas time. So I worked at a French Connection um, that's still around on Broadway and 4th Street. And then I ended up getting my first job. I was working in a theater, um, New York theater workshop in the box office here, which was really, really fun. Yeah. And and I, I did a bunch of random things when I thought I wanted to work in the entertainment industry, which was in the box office. I took an internship in a talent agency, which was really interesting. I ended up having to be like a bouncer for some industry party, I like have like the checklist and, you know, let people in or not let people in. And I just let everybody in. I was like, <laughs> I don't care. Like they weren't, they weren't paying me. It was like an unpaid internship. And like, they were really telling me I should be like some hard, you know, be mean at the door and I was like, I don't care. You're not, not, you're not doing anything for me, for me to like, I don't want to assert myself.
0: It might be an interesting psychological test where you just give someone an earpiece and a velvet rope and then see how they respond to pushy people.
1: Right. And I was like, whatever. Right. (laughs) I don't care. I would be the
0: same. I feel like some people, the the power or pseudo power might go straight to their head.
1: No. Yeah. No, I just, I just was happy and smiling. And maybe that was the opposite. Maybe... I should have been a little more in between and I went to the extreme of just like everybody's gonna wanna be my friend now because I let them in the door.
0: <laughs> now where are you with computers at this point and digital creativity? Or or what are you, what I guess are you making in nothing. your spare time? Okay.
1: Like nothing. I'm um at this point I don't even own a computer. I mean we grew up with with a computer. I mean, I think especially at a young age, because we were in the Silicon Valley, and my mom got an Apple IIe. And so we had an an Apple IIe when I was like eight, you know. So we always had a computer. I mean, I didn't bring a computer when I moved to New York, because I think my computer had died um, right before I moved to New York, and I couldn't afford it. And I just didn't think,
0: you know, I... There wasn't really much use for it at that time.
1: No, I mean, even... People weren't looking for jobs on the internet. Like, I don't think I would really looked for a job when I moved here on the internet, or maybe a little bit. In my apartment, I was subletting from, there was a computer that we could share, and I think it was dial, it was probably dial-up. I'm pretty sure it was dial-up. So I would, like, check email and stuff on that. So I was just basically email, I had totally forgotten about anything like that. You know, I was using computers at work and that and that was it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just knew I knew at this point I wanted to go back to school because I felt like I had no skills, but I felt capable. And I thought when I go back to school, though, I want to know what it's for. And it's going to be for a skill like I'm not going to graduate without a marketable skill, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to jump into anything until I know what I want it to be. So, I just kind of always had that in the back of my mind and was just exploring lots of different things. Um, I ended up back in a restaurant after about a maybe about eight months after I moved here. Um, finally, got a restaurant job, and I thought, oh, all my money problems are going to be solved. This is going to be great. What kind and, of food? Um, it was Outback Steakhouse. Mm. It was the first Outback steakhouse in New York City. Times Square? No, it was, it probably would have done much better in Times Square, but it was on the East Side. And I think what they didn't really realize is that New Yorkers are not as enthusiastic about chain restaurants as the rest of the country so they had us all pumped up and i was pumped up because i used to work at at the outback steakhouse in cupertino actually across from apple headquarters and i made great money there i mean it was all the apple employees who were like coming over and um and we had like a, a huge wait like three hour wait every night like i made bank so i thought oh now i'm in new york this is it i'm set but uh, it was kind of a bust when, um, when it, I would mean it was it was OK. Actually, no, it was pretty it was pretty bad. We never really got um, a whole lot of business.
0: I lived in New York very briefly. And in the block where I lived, the restaurants turned over so fast. I feel like it's just this economic environment where there's so much competition and the level of quality of the food has to be so high. Otherwise, you're going to go under almost immediately.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and we'll, I think New Yorkers will talk too, you know, right. word of mouth about how something's going and getting locals. And we were just in the wrong place. I, th- I think about a year ago that location closed and a bunch of us who had worked there kind of went on the, in the last week and we hadn't seen each other in 10 years and kind of hooked up there to, to say, say goodbye. But um, I ended up staying there for two years and mostly because I was afraid to give up health insurance, and I got health insurance there. And it gave me some flexibility, and I was you know, still doing internship kind of stuff. But I did get a Macintosh finally in those years. And I had a first-generation iPod, which is pretty great. Um, but I still wasn't really thinking about anything web. And I don't know where it came from, but I swear I just woke up one day and was like, I want to be a designer. I think uh, just, I had like a whole lot of thoughts going on about what I like, what I don't like. I was just kind of always analyzing and then it just kind of came together design that totally makes sense for me.
0: Did you know any other designers or did you meet people or how did you know that that was a job?
1: Um, I don't know whenever I've had a computer and when I got a computer, I mean, I was just on it all the time. And now the, the internet has information. Um, now we're in like 2003. <laughs> um, so like, I felt like I was a creative person, but I think why I didn't take a route like this the first time I was in college was that I didn't trust that I had any talent. And, As I got older, I realized that I didn't think I was going to be happy unless I was doing something creative. And that's always the things that I was drawn to. And I thought about those websites that I had designed, actually. This is kind of when I started to think about that, like the websites, I, the stupid websites I made. And I also had Photoshop. Like a bootleg version of Photoshop I had been playing around with, and I really enjoyed that. It was the computer aspect of design that interested me too, mm-hmm. and that wasn't something that existed when I went to college the first time. Um, I mean, I moved to college with a word processor and you know barely got an email account my freshman year yeah.
0: so it's interesting. I feel like as I listen to a lot of these stories and particularly yours you're around technology throughout this story. Like you're living in in Northern California, you have a computer in the house, you have, you know, working at 3Com around the Outback Steakhouse and Apple. You know, it sort of is paralleling and it's in the background of all the things you're doing. And I think only recently do we now think of things digital as being creative, as being a creative exercise, as being an artistic outlet like painting or something else. Um, Whereas I think before, it just seemed like programmers were were nerds who worked at banks.
1: Yeah. So I saw my friends who were um, computer science majors in college work really hard. (laughs) And they were like the only majors I knew who were working really hard. And I thought, ah. And I also just thought it was all math. And math was my least favorite subject. So I I just never thought about it beyond that.
0: So you're digging into Photoshop, and are you designing logos or photos or just kind of messing around, putting people's heads on celebrity bodies?
1: Yeah, I'm just messing around. I think uh, in college, we had a party in the theater department that was like a fake awards ceremony, and it was called the Lloyds. And I helped create signage to advertise the Lloyds. And what I did was turn the Titanic, it all comes back to Titanic and Leonardo DiCaprio, but I turned a Titanic logo or you know, movie poster image. I changed the word Titanic to say Lloyd using this clone stamp tool. And I think it took me probably eight hours. (laughs) But I spent eight hours on it and I thought I was a genius and I thought it looked amazing and I loved it. And so I started to kind of think about all those things. Um, I did work in, actually, I did work in the wellness center when I was in college the first time to Um, That was to try and get me close to psychology. And I ended up designing their flyers in like Corel Draw maybe. I don't even remember. It was like a total clip art program. Hmm. Um, And I really enjoyed doing that. So it was those kinds of things I think had been simmering around. And I thought design, like I think I can do that. Like, Like it's smart creativity. I always considered myself smart, but I didn't know where to go with it. So I... Applied Basically, I only applied to FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology, after doing some research in New York because I didn't want to leave New York and I was still in debt. (laughs) So I didn't want to take on a degree from like SVA or a really, you know, another school. And and FIT was a state school.
0: And the assumption here, the assumption here is that you do need a different degree to be able to do this job.
1: Yeah. And I wanted, I think I also needed a change. I was stuck in this restaurant rut, you know, and I was having a lot of fun in New York City at the time and I needed to calm down the fun and kind of get down to business. So I needed like a big change. I wanted to go back to school full time. Um, One thing I did know about myself and is still true, I learn best experiencing something um, being taught by a human being. Or doing I'm not great at reading books. Um, I've never I mean, I like to read for pleasure, but I've never read a computer science book or a programming book because I just don't think I could make it through. Um, I like to learn through experience. I learn better that way. And so I wanted to immerse myself in school, and I ended up getting into their they had a one-year program. Um, a one-year intensive communication design associate's degree program. And then from there, you're supposed to decide after you get your associate's degree, which bachelor's you want to take. You know, communication design is kind of broad graphic design. And then you can focus in on the interactive design or packaging design even graphic design, advertising design. So I thought, okay, great. I'll go back to school for three years. I'll do this one year. I'll figure it out. And I'll be able to support myself waiting tables full time because last time I went to college, I had so much free time. You gained my psychology degree, this will be great. And I just didn't do any research about what going to design school is like. I had no idea until the first day of like classes and I got my schedule and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have like like in school all the time and then and then realized the homework load it was rough it was a it was an intense intense year and uh I ended up having to quit my waiting tables job I could only work like a double on Sundays um from like 10 a.m to 1 a.m and that would be like the only day I could work and I'd just be so wiped
0: when you got to design school and you met your peers what was that like
1: it was cool. I, I felt it was the first time I started to feel old, and I started to get insecure about that a little bit because um, most, at least with my program, everybody had at least some college experience, and that's why we could be in the one-year program because we didn't need all the general education credits. But I, ma- I made one really, really good friend, um, and we got through it together, basically. But most people also were international very few people or the people who I got close to were local. So when I graduated, including my really close friend, um, she was Canadian and she moved back to Canada and my other friends were like Japanese and everybody moved away. So I didn't end up graduating with that community. They also kind of told us, oh, you're hireable after your associate's degree. And when I got to graduating... I thought I wanted to go into packaging design. That's what I because I'm a consumer, so I I like to shop, and I thought packaging design was really interesting, but I needed some time to get back on my feet after this year that I thought I was going to be able to work and support myself through and couldn't really, you know, just took out more loans. So I thought I'd try and see what I could do with just... Uh, my associate's degree, but I missed the part where they teach you how to make a portfolio or how to interview. So I had nothing. I, I just barely finished final projects and I never didn't have an internship under my belt or anything. And the career center at FIT was really focused on fashion since it's most of their, and so most of their contacts were in the fashion industry. So most of the design jobs were like design T-shirts and, and things like that, which is not my talent. Like even now, I'm much more of a layout kind of designer, and not you know not a logo designer or anything like that. So that didn't really suit me. So I felt totally out on my own after I graduated from design school. So I went back to waiting tables, <laughs> basically, and and bartending someplace new though. Not outback. Not outback. I ended up in um, the theater district. So, back in my theater, like with my theater people um, in a restaurant close to Broadway, so we'd get celebrities, but we get a lot of people before theater and after theater coming in and i and I was there for three years after I graduated from school again for the second time, and in that time, I dabbled a little bit in some you know I did some free projects. For people, I had one opportunity that just fell in my lap where a friend of a friend worked for a magazine and I got to help them on one issue. Like they were just desperate (laughs) and they needed like a warm body who knew Quark. And that was me. But nothing ever materialized into anything. And after three years, I was like, oh, my gosh. And it was it was 2008. And I was 32, and I was like, I risked everything to go back to school, and it's been three years, and I am doing nothing. Like, I'm doing exactly what I was doing before, and I tried to change my life to get out of this. And I just had, like, that first crisis of, of I've got to do something, I've got to change. And, and it's just started to hate every second at work and, made again, made the grand plan of, like, okay, I'm going to just – jump into something next. Like I just have to quit. Like I just have to quit. I can't do this and try and pursue something else. Cause I've been trying to do that for three years and it hadn't been working.
0: I've heard that a lot from people who do work on trying to change into new careers and new disciplines that trying to do it in your spare time at times, it doesn't allow you enough focus time. And you always have a fallback on which you can safely go, well, it's not really making me feel comfortable or I'm not good at this. I'm just going to go back to the thing I did before. Whereas yeah. if you just sort of jump off the cliff, you have no choice.
1: I also came to the realization after I did it. Well, because, of course, as I have the fortune of doing, whenever I make these big decisions, like something happens <laughs> in the world, and it's like fighting against me, which would be this was the end of 2008. There was a so... bad thing that
0: happened in New York again. <laughs>
1: so yeah so
0: less bad crashed. i would say yeah.
1: less bad for sure and i had already decided like in the summer i'm like i'm saving up it's the the season the the busy season is through christmas and then it die like business dies down in january so that's the time for me to go and you know then everything went to pot <laughs> in new york but i was like i don't care i got to do it anyways like i can't stand it any any longer um, and so i quit and i was out of work completely for about four months, and had just picked up a few free up freelancing things, you know, kind of anything that came my way, but I was not in good shape financially. I was like, you know, just trying, I was barely making it. And I started to be like, okay, well, I've got to go back to like waiting tables or bartending, like I've got to find something like I've got to carry through. And I ended up I was going to an interview at some place and it was like going to be a really nice place. And before the interview, it had been like three months since I had worked in a restaurant and I put on my old restaurant shoes, which I hadn't put on for months. And as soon as my feet got in them, my feet were like, no, <laughs> like, like just my feet reacted. They didn't want to feel it. And I was walking off the, like I got off the subway and I was walking to this, to this interview And I was like, I just can't do it. I just can't. If I go in there now, like, I'm always going to fall back on something like this. Like, I have to force myself to do something new completely. And I felt like I needed, like, a grand gesture. So I went into, like, the first shoe store I found and bought, like, these awful, ugly $10, like, bright blue loafers and put them on and took off my waiting table shoes and threw them in the garbage and was like, okay, that's, that's it. You're not allowed to do that anymore.
0: The Vikings used to burn their boats when they landed so that they had no choice of going back. And in this case, you threw your shoes away. I threw my shoes
1: away. So finally, I ended up getting like through a friend, a job where they were looking for, um, it it was with Disney publishing and they're looking for somebody who knew HTML, just a little bit of HTML to update their CMS, but the guy who recommended me was a designer who had worked there. So I knew it would be like around the designers. And I was like, okay, this is something different. And this is like some kind of in, but it was like two days a week. And that was it. And it was in White Plains, which is um, in Westchester. So it was like an hour and 40 minute commute each way for me, basically in like public transportation, like subway to a train, to a shuttle that would pick us up and I was there for two years where I ended up just slowly working my way into doing design stuff. In this aspect, the bad economy worked in my favor where they had gone through a bunch of layoffs and were short-staffed, and I became like an able-body that they would figure out some budget for to give me some opportunities. And I luckily got to sit around all the designers, too, so... I ended up getting like an offer and working there. It still wasn't a full-time position because they were still slowly like building back up. But I was a a marketing designer. But in those two years, like I got that job by knowing some HTML. So it made me think, well, in this economy, like if that's the thing that's differentiated me, maybe I should learn some more. And this is kind of what I feel like every every ThoughtBot designer I've talked to, this is kind of the same similar story of what happened to them, right? Is they're like, oh, I'm a designer. Maybe some code would be interesting. And then when they start to get into it, they just get super into it. And that, that's what happened to me. I started to look for, like I said, like I'm not great at reading books and learning that way all by myself. So I started looking for classes, and everything was super expensive. I took a Flash class, which actually was really helpful because not a lot of people knew Flash, and I got, like, a long-term client. Like, I just stopped working with this client right when I started working at ThoughtBot. Like, I had had them as a freelance client since 2009, and because I knew Flash, and they needed somebody to update their Flash website, And then I ended up, like, redesigning their e-commerce site and got a ton of work from them.
0: Now, do you feel, like, is it in this White Plains job where you finally feel like you're a designer?
1: Um, yes. (laughs) But, you know, that imposter syndrome, like... It'll get you. It will totally get you. I mean... I was always below on lower on the ladder. Like I wasn't hired to be a designer, so it was easier for me. I think, I think it made me more comfortable to be like, Oh, I could only, I only needed to step up when I thought I could do something or, you know, it was a surprise to everybody else that I became a designer too. So if I failed, I wasn't ever expected to succeed, Mm -hmm. um, which I think was helpful for me. Also They let me do small microsites and stuff like that, too, because all the developers were in California. And this was just like a small office of just like mostly print designers. But now, you know, they'd outsource for thousands and thousands of dollars, all these little sites. And I was like, well, I could do that. Like, well, you are so much cheaper. Why don't you try? (laughs) And And then it would work out. And I took a Dreamweaver class. Um, but the Dreamweaver class really taught me a lot of CSS, you know, and HTML more more than like Dreamweaver. Um, I think it's harder to use Dreamweaver than it is to just learn code. even oh, for back sure. Then. Yeah.
0: I almost think that it does a disservice to a lot of people. I think I think what's great about tools like Dreamweaver, and again, way back when I started Nets, Netscape Editor, Netscape Composer, something like that, the WYSIWYG web editor. Is that it gets you really excited about the possibility that you can build something and publish it, but it does abstract too much of what's happening away and it'll get you going, but it'll really hinder your further development over time.
1: And that, I mean, what is it called? Like whatever their little Dreamweaver's browser tool that was supposed to show you what your page looked like. Never showed anything accurately. It was the worst. For a long time, I still used Dreamweaver for coding emails because if anything was a little bit off, that Dreamweaver editor would show it. And I was like, well, this is probably how it looks in Gmail, or this is probably how it looks in Outlook, you know, something really particular. But um, yeah, so I had taken like a couple like three day intensive classes, like in Flash and Dreamweaver, but they were like $700, $800 a pop. And that was a lot for me. So I was looking a lot like in 2000, I think 2011, 2010 for something affordable. And just like by Google searching, I found Girl Develop It on Meetup. And it, they were just starting in New York. I didn't know, realize this at the time. And they were offering, at the time, $40 classes. And I didn't take HTML and CSS. I started, what did I start taking? Must have started with like JavaScript or PHP. And it was just great. They were great. It was mostly the teachers and the women in charge, like Sarah Chips, Izzy Johnston, Vanessa Hurst were. Just super encouraging, and I was like the Hermione in the front of the class for, like, everything, like, raising my hand and just super involved. And I just took whatever classes they offered. And They offered, like, an object-oriented programming class. I took, like, a little Ruby class. And then anytime they had an event, I would just show up by myself. And eventually they invited me to, like, a couple of hackathons, and I did a hackathon with Sarah Chips. We like won one of the prizes and stuff. Like, it w- that's kind of when I really started to realize that like this could be something and I really enjoyed this. And I ended up leaving Disney to go to a like really small design agency that was like three people, um, including me like more as a web designer, because at Disney, all of the developers and all the real web stuff was happening in California. I wasn't going to move to California. And I wanted to be around other designers and coders. Um, so I went to this design agency, but, it, but everybody at this little design place was, um, they were more print designers. I was kind of the only one who really knew web. So I ended up working a lot as like kind of a project manager and as a web designer and speaking with outside developers and managing development. So I had that experience of designing things, giving them to developers, and then not liking what they did. And then (laughs) saying, hey, can you give me access? And then I'd ftp and then like change everything (laughs) you know to make it right
0: did you get indignant responses from the developers like oh the designer wants to look at the code
1: (laughs) i'm sure yeah no i didn't care um uh, well it started off as i would write like three pages of like this needs to be here and this needs to be here and this isn't like this and this should be like this and then i so i think it was maybe a relief when i was like hey, I can just change some things. Will you just give me access? And they were like, yes, just, you know. I I think also we were working with, like, really small development shops that were mostly back-end guys who hate... This is when I started to realize that people don't like CSS or HTML or CSS, that, like, it was kind of unique. I mean, maybe not unique, but I had always thought that, like, CSS was just so easy that nobody cared about it. And so... There was no real front end developer who like would care about what was going on in these projects I was working in. So I just like inserted myself in and it, it went over mostly well.
0: Yeah. I think anytime you talk to back-end folks and you say, can I have FTP access? They're going to be pretty excited.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah. So I was working in the design agency for about a year and a half or two years again, I, and I was freelancing, too, on the side all the time. And one was this big e-commerce site that was written in uh, Magento. And, and we had a developer who just fell off the face of the earth. So I just really went in there, got my hands dirty, and was like, I mean, we, and yeah, we weren't using GitHub. Like, nobody was using, I wasn't using GitHub on anything. Like, it was just raw and dirty. So she kind of ran out of capital. I was just a contractor even though I'd been there a while. So, I was one I ended up once again like without a job and started, you know, started applying but I felt like I was like at this crossroads like are there jobs where you can be a designer and a developer because I think that would be really cool. If I couldn't really find it. And this is like summer of 2012. So and again I'm not in a good financial situation, so I was trying to find, like, anything. I was applying to a lot of places. But I had some experience, so I was getting some some good nibbles. Um, at this time, I ended up going to a, another, like, girl develop-it type event. Sarah Chips would host these developer dinners that were really cool, it was kind of like a potluck and there'd be one um, kind of main person who she'd have like a Q&A with while we were all like eating potluck dinner. So I went to one of those and I went after I had this like massive, like six hour long interview with Amazon in their offices here in New York. And I just kind of told her, oh, I went on this big interview and she's like, oh, you're looking for work. I work at a startup. You should come in and talk to me. And so she was crazy, and she hired me. And it was mostly as a designer, or like that's how that's how I I just assumed. Um, and maybe I could do a little bit of code, um, but I didn't really know anything. So I worked at the startup with there for about a year and a half, and ended up doing more development than design. Actually, really didn't get to do any design, and. It just came the time to, to leave there where um, it was time to move on. And I had heard of ThoughtBot through a friend. And then one of my former coworkers had started working here. And actually, Trace reached out to me. And it was kind of at a, a time where I had left my, the startup I was at. And I was going to take like four months or so to kind of figure out what I wanted to do next. At this point, I was like giving myself the time to figure out what I wanted to do next. And Trace, our managing director in New York, reached out and it just it seemed like that designer developer job, because even at the startup, I couldn't design like so I had a job where I was a designer and nobody would let me develop. And then I had the job where I was a developer and nobody would let me design. But I was like, it makes so much sense for these to be together. Like, we don't need to like we have all these steps in between. And I, I really feel confident I can do both. So. I was thinking about going to hacker school or applying for hacker school, or maybe I would like really get into a boot camp or really learn JavaScript. Like, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And I thought like all this design is really important to me. Like, why would I like get rid of that? So, and I remember my interview at ThoughtBot, I made some designer type jokes and the room laughed. And then I made some developer type jokes and the room laughed. And I was like, Oh, I'm in the right place. It's great.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. You know, that's, it's quite a story and over the course of all of it, you know, there certainly is a lot of persistence in getting to know people who are encouraging you along the way. What would you offer to people who are in the same situation? What would you do differently?
1: I don't know if I would do anything differently, but like, I wish I would have done things differently if I had learned lessons I learned now, like if I was back. Then you know, and I think the biggest thing I learned in the past is that I always expected like something to come to me and just be right. Like I expected that right fit to feel that. Like I, I mean, I never knew growing up what I wanted to be. Everybody would ask. I I just never knew what I wanted to be. I always felt like a lost soul and just thought I would be instantly talented at something or that's how it worked. Like there would be some click and it would be right, but. I I didn't get good at any something until I just did it all the time. I had to find something that I liked to do so much that I would do it all the time. And I did it in my spare time and I worked full time. And I also freelanced on the side. I wanted to work hard at it and I wanted to get better at it. And that's what made me talented. And that's what gave me a career.
0: I had the same experience where, and I think a lot of people do, where it takes a while to find the thing that you're passionate about. And that it's hard to do a good job if you don't care.
1: Yeah. Now I look back and I think it's so funny. Like I I totally, when I moved away from California, I was like, yeah, this tech's not me. Like this is, I'm so out of here and I'm going to find myself in New York. And then like I found tech.
0: (laughs) It's funny. I had the same experience. I was raised by engineers. My dad and my brother are both mechanical engineers and I went into science and i was like engineering that's ridiculous i don't want to do that <laughs> and then of course years later i end up an engineer
1: and they're like see
0: yeah of course <laughs> everybody so. the whole time is like oh we knew you should have done this the whole time
1: yeah well i was never going to listen to you my mom now is like well now you can move home now all the jobs are here i'm like oh you yeah, know it's okay but you know i look back like the I mean the job i'm in did not exist 10 years ago, barely if it existed five years ago. So I don't know. I'm, I had some great experiences and I think I'm more appreciative of where I am and how I got here because of these experiences I had. So I wouldn't change anything, honestly.
0: That's awesome. Well, I think that's a great place to stop. Anything else you'd like to share? Uh, Are you still involved with Girl Develop It?
1: Yeah. Um, actually I'm a teacher, which is really cool. I, so I'm, I'm actually teaching an upcoming um, HTML and CSS class, beginning class. Um, the only other thing I can think of is, like, I had to learn to believe in myself, too. And it took, I think I was also waiting for somebody to tell me that I was good enough at something. And somebody finally did, but I wish it didn't take that. I didn't really need, I, I wish I could have figured that out on my own,
0: you know? Yeah, there are definitely people who can do that, but it really does take some other person going, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Whatever you did was interesting, and you might be good at this.
1: I've tried to bring that out more in my relationships with other
0: people, too. Well, thanks again for your time. It's great talking to you.
1: Thank you. That was actually, like, very cathartic. <laughs> it was really fun. Thank you.
0: Yeah, of course. Next time on Reboot, I'll be talking to Jesse Young, who started as a political volunteer, worked in marketing, and became a developer after attending a technical boot camp. Today's show was produced and edited by Tom Obarski. Our theme music was produced by Don Okuda. Show notes can be found at rebootshow.fm slash two. Thanks for listening.